I was like operating in this mindset of, I know that there are going to be things that are unideal. How can I make sure that I try and find the, the smallest number of unideal characteristics instead of trying to find someone who was just like perfect, quote unquote perfect. I was like, okay, I know I'm gonna have to like give and take some. So I'm just trying to like minimize the casualties and like maximize the gains. But I was like not out here trying to like imagine a Prince Charming or the one or anything. Like I was like, no, no, that's not realistic. I'm just trying to find like the best out of the worst, if that makes sense. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Well Now What podcast. I'm your host, Savannah. I hope everyone is having a good Monday so far. I'm recording this intro on a super rainy Sunday. Uh, life has been a little bit busy just from going back and forth to Victoria for work. Uh, my sister is home, which is really exciting. And also I mentioned that I'm moving soon, so we're renovating an apartment. So that process uh, is really fun and a bit challenging. So I'm really excited to update you guys more on that once we move. And for those that are waiting for the funny date episode, I'm sorry, I still have to record that. All the dates have been sent in, so they're pretty funny, so stay tuned for that. And lastly, for people that are new here, this podcast is called Well Now What? Obviously, it's for Gen Zs, Millennials, 20-something-year-olds, unsure what they want to do post-grad or with their career, so I interview people from completely different backgrounds to hear more about their career journey. And today's guest is Sam Wong, also known as Sam City on TikTok, on YouTube, so she's kind of known for her relationship TikToks, um, so she gives some really great advice. So I love watching her. She's also a local Vancouver gal and we have a lot of mutual friends. So I just really wanted to have her onto the podcast. Sam also works for Lululemon in the head office. So she's more in like the content world of it. And she talks about her journey of how she got up to head office. You know, she really grinded and I really respect her hustle, you know, working at the head office is Lululemon. Um, if some of you don't know, it's quite hard to get up there. They're very, you know, they're very picky about who they pick because they really value their culture. And I've never worked at Lululemon, but I've had some roommates that have worked at Educators Lululemon and they just loved the culture and you know, you can tell that Lululemon is there to protect that culture. And apart from work and work experiences, we also talk about relationships, another one of my favorite topics. We talk about, you know, how she found her current relationship, um, you know, she's went through a few bad eggs to find a really good one, um, so that was really fun and I'm, you know, really appreciative that she opened up about her relationship um, with her current boyfriend and past relationships, so this is just a really fun episode mixed with career, life, and relationships, everything you can think of, so I had a lovely time chatting with Sam and I hope you enjoyed this interview. I'm joined by the lovely Sam Wong, also known as Sam City on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Sam is a digital creator and storyteller. You may have seen her relationship advice videos on your TikTok. Um, her and her boyfriend, Tom, are so funny. I love watching her videos. Um, and she's also a content production specialist at Lululemon. So thank you so much for joining me, Sam. I'm really excited to just learn more from you and learn more about your story. Thanks for having me. That was quite the intro. <laughs> Of course. Um, so how are you doing? How has this past, you know, 2020 has been weird. How has 2021 been for you? 2021 has been fast. Like I actually can't oh, believe it's, it's middle of May. Yeah. That's crazy. It's a little scary. I'm not going to lie to you. And yeah. I turned 25 in June. So I just told TikTok that I'm gearing up for my quarter life crisis. So I'm just waiting for that to hit. <laughs> and I'm riding the wave until it happens for sure. Totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm 24. And when I, I was, I turned 24 in January and I was like freaking out. I was like, Oh my God, I'm almost 30. And in my head, when you're 30, you have your shit together. You should be married. 
maybe having kids by then. So I, I feel you. 100%. And Tom's six years older than me. So that just like adds the extra, I see where I'm heading towards and I'm like, oh gosh, not (laughs) that he's, you know, anything different, but knowing that when I'm his age, I'm hopefully going to have to pop out a little child. So that's (laughs) just a slight crisis waiting to happen for sure. Uh, Yeah. I can relate to that. So why don't you just tell the audience a little bit more about your background and yourself? I know I've done a little bit of an introduction, but maybe more of like, you know, what your childhood was like, your teen years, and then kind of leading up to college time. And then we can discuss afterwards um, after the introduction. Yeah. Sure. Um, I usually start with like the tell me about yourself question in interviews with Mm -hmm. saying that I wanted to be a fashion designer because I think it's just funny to talk about where I thought I was really going to head in high school. But I used to be that like super stubborn, did not did not have any intention to be anything but a fashion designer. And anytime my parents, my you know, Asian parents that can sometimes lean a little bit more traditional would encourage me to think of some alternates and some backup plans. I would be like, there's just like no way in hell I'm doing anything except for fashion. So I pretty much spent my entire high school career sewing and sketching and thinking that I was going to be on Project One Runway and all of that kind of stuff. So, and then one day, like in grade 12, I guess, senior year, I woke up and was like, oh my God, like, what if I don't like it? Like, seriously, what if I end up in fashion school and it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me and I'm stuck here because I don't know what like a linear progression from fashion school onwards looks like. And so I randomly, like, I swear to God, I remember myself being in bed late at night, opening my laptop and just like going to UBC, which is just like, I guess the big college here that my parents went to um and just applying and being like okay like I need to have some sort of backup plan so I applied to business school had no business background never took a business class in my life um, but I thought it was like a safe backup plan just in case you know fashion didn't work out for me maybe I could start in business build a foundation and then go into fashion after after getting some sort of business degree Um, and to be honest that was probably the best decision I've ever made to this day, I have no intention of going into fashion anymore. I still enjoy like dressing up, but not even close to the extent that I thought I was going to be involved in high school. And I pretty much just like dove into marketing at UBC and had no idea what I was doing. I entered first year on like academic probation and was just like unsure what was happening at all times. Um, but I figured it out, you know, I ended up figuring it out and it wasn't the worst transition ever. And I actually found out that I really liked it. Spoiler alert, I'm no, I wasn't on academic probation post first year. So that was a nice little win for me for sure. But I mean, I, I ended math in first year with a 51%. And I think that's Ooh, nice. Personally. Yes. This is like not part of my story, but I'm just going to mm-hmm. add it because I think it's the most like unusual thing about me in the sense that like I guess most people wouldn't guess that I was involved in a sorority in my university degree and that was kind of like where I want to say that that's where I got my social skills from but I'm also still socially anxious so perhaps that's like not the best (laughs) way to describe that experience but anyways I had that kind of up my sleeve in university and then once I get graduated, I really just like didn't want to jump into my career right away. I graduated college, um, university, I don't know why I call it college. I graduated university and I really didn't want to jump into a career right away. It was like my number one goal to make sure that my first job 
my first career job was something that I was like head over heels in love with. Um, the backstory behind that was my mom suffers from work-related stress and anxiety, and I just like didn't want to go down that same path. So I wanted to make sure I was being really intentional with where I was headed after university. Um, and so I ended up working at Lululemon in a store and just kind of like shooting the shit and having a good time, not thinking anything of it. But after like maybe 20 minutes of working in the store, I was like, oh my God, I love this company. This is exactly where I need to be. Um, these are the people I want to surround myself with. These are the brand values that I like. Um, and so I just pretty much started harassing everybody saying that I wanted to work for head office um, and doing everything I could to get to head office. Fast forward a year later, I ended up in head office as the local storyteller is what they called it, but I pretty much owned local social media in Vancouver for Lululemon. And then a year and a half after that, I got promoted to content production specialist. So now I work on the global is what we call it, social media team, wow, wow. Lululemon team. Very cool. Now. What? Yeah, what a journey. So I have a few comments about college, first of all. I say college too, because I interview a lot of Americans. And when I say okay. university, they're like, I don't like it. It's the same thing. It's fine. Um, okay. But but for me, uh, I, I was the same thing. Like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was applying a lot of it to like communication school because I thought I wanted to go in like digital media or some sort of thing. And then last minute, I applied to the business program at UVic. And then I was thinking I wanted to go to Rice. And it was kind of like half fashion, half business as well. And then last minute, I was like, I don't know if this is really for me. So I ended up going to UVic in the business program and I loved it. And I'm so glad that I went there. Um, it gave me a lot of good experiences, but yeah. And speaking about sororities, like I had a question about that. So at UVic, we like, there's not, I think there's like maybe one sorority, one frat. I'm not really sure yeah. I wasn't a part of it, but UBC, I know it's like a huge thing to like be involved in a sorority or frat. And do you think people that for UBC specifically, if you're not involved in it, does it really like shape and change your experience? For me, I think that if I didn't join a sorority, I would have been super siloed to my faculty. So I think the best thing about being in the quote and unquote Greek system was that I actually got to experience people outside of my building. Um, in my faculty specifically, I spent 100% of my time in one building and one building only. Um, and I'm also like not super social. So it almost forced me to interact with people who I normally wouldn't interact with. Um, and it almost gave me like a few, I was going to say 100, but that just seemed like an exaggeration, but it gave me quite a few clubs in one almost. Um, I was kind of like that little keener that was going around club week looking for things to join to try and be involved and like stay engaged. And I just like wasn't particularly passionate about one thing or another. So I feel like being in a sorority gave me a piece of philanthropy, which was my favorite part, a little piece of social um, it gave me some sports, um, it gave me some partying and all of that. So I got kind of like a nice, well-rounded experience. Um, and for me specifically, I never lived on campus. So okay. that kind of, I guess, alienated me even more because I didn't get like the dorm experience, which is where I assumed that most people would find their friendships and their group um, outside of their faculty. So I do think it was a an experience that I wouldn't take back. Um, and that's even coming from someone who wasn't like necessarily super involved, like because I didn't work or I didn't live on campus. I wasn't attending everything and I was busy with school and work and being on academic probation. So I was, <laughs> you know, like not 
100% involved and yet I still got so much out of it. So I feel like the more you put in, the more you obviously get out. Um, and I still got quite a bit out of it, even though I wasn't the most involved person ever. Yeah, that's awesome. Because, you know, with my friends, there's been like mixed, you know, experiences that they've had with UBC. They either love it or hate it. Like if you don't, if you're not on campus, if you're not involved, it's kind of like they didn't really enjoy it because the school's so much so big. And at UVic, mm -hmm. it's quite small. I'm like the biggest classroom I was in was like maybe 300, 400 people. But most of the time it was like a small cohort of like 80 people. So I was used to like the smaller school, the smaller experience. But um, yeah, it's great to hear that you had a good experience and you weren't living on campus. So that's good. That. Yeah, I, I used to be hold resentment to my parents for not letting me live there on, in first year. And now, now that I have a better understanding of like financial responsibility, I'm like, oh my God, thank God you didn't pay that money just so that I could be a little closer to people. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Vancouver's ridiculously expensive, oh, yeah. as you know. Um, and yeah, talking about your role at Lululemon. So cool. I know when I was younger, like I was a big dancer and I was always like, I always want to work at Lululemon head office, but I always assumed that you needed to be in store to get into head, head office. Is that true? Or like, I, I find like it's probably quite difficult to get, you know, work your way up or what would you say? I think in kind of like olden day Lululemon times, that was definitely the path of like, okay, you start in store, you really understand the, you're starting from kind of the ground up in those sense that Lululemon really prides themselves on their educator experience. So they will often talk about the fact that like the stores and the educators are their like number one priority and they're like kind of, I guess, like most important role at the company. Um, and they still believe that to be true. I think as the company grows, though, it's less grassroots, as we call it. So it's less, I guess, developing from our stores upwards and more recruiting from bigger, more established companies. So I think it's kind of a mix of both now. There's still opportunity for people from the stores to really develop into the SSC or head office, as we call it. And there's also a lot of roles that are a little bit more, I guess, like higher level, um, where we often um, prioritize, I guess, external applicants to kind of bring that expertise to Lululemon. So it's interesting because I work with a lot of people who are like, this is my only job experience. I've come from stores and I've only ever worked here, which is kind of similar to me. And then there's some people who are like, I came from Nike or I worked at Uber and did all these things. So there's like a good mix. Um, and it's interesting how it all comes together into one big organization. Very cool. So how did you, you know, you said that you were an educator and you got to head office. So how did you kind of pitch yourself did you have a portfolio like how did you prove yourself saying that you know I deserve to be in head office doing this like marketing content role like I said I harassed a bunch of people so basically <laughs> anybody who came into the store who worked at the head office or even like knew somebody who worked at the head office I was bombarding them with my goals and I think that ultimately was the number one thing that really helped me was just telling everybody where I wanted to be and why I wanted to be there um, and for the longest time I was doing that without really pitching myself, I was just trying to make connections and build relationships by just being kind of like friends with people. Um, and that worked for a while. It got me a few coffee chats, which was nice. And because I went to business school, I was kind of taught how to have like a good coffee chat and ask good questions. So that obviously helped as well. Um, I actually used to do like business advice things when I had my YouTube channel up and running. So oh, I mean, you can go look in the archives <laughs> for that. But um, yeah, I did that for a while. And then I ended up having a coffee chat with somebody who worked on the social media team prior. And she was basically telling me how after university, 
we're kind of like stuck. We, we don't have anyone telling us to work on assignments or projects or whatever. And so the more time that goes between university and getting your next job, the more time that you have of not doing anything relevant to your field, I guess. Mm -hmm. So she really encouraged me to be like, okay, nobody's going to tell you what to do, but how can you create as many projects for yourself as possible so that when you get into like the interview seat, you have all this to show for it. And you have almost this portfolio that you did on your own. Um, and it really shows kind of your skills, but also your passion for whatever area you're looking to get into. And so that's where I built my YouTube channel. I made an Instagram account for my store that I was working at. I started posting more on my own personal Instagram and really caring about my feed and what I was saying. Um, and it all kind of aligned with Lululemon's brand values so that when they looked at my feed, they're like, okay, she's a culture fit and she's good at creating content. Um, so I feel like that in, in tandem with me, I guess, talking to as many people as possible from head office kind of all came together so that when the opportunity was available, I had a few people being like, hey, like, I'm, I'm thinking of you in this role. Like, are you interested? And it really just came to me instead of me having to chase it because I spent the full year chasing it pretty much without even knowing it was going to open. <laughs> wow. Very cool. Like you, you had, you were ready to go when they're like, let's see your portfolio. You're like, I've done this and this. And 100%. This. I'm like, I was like, I'm ready now. Just give me a go. <laughs> So what is your role now? Like, what do you kind of do day to day? Is this like, is it a nine to five or is it, yeah, is it mostly that? It's pretty much a nine to five. I mean, we're pretty like flexible with our own hours, but for the most part, it is a Monday to Friday, nine to five job. Yeah. Um, I pretty much am in charge of all content, not all content. There's a few of my role um, and we are all in charge of the types of content and the content production that goes live on our social channels. So Instagram, sometimes YouTube, which I don't really dabble with too much, TikTok, which I dabble with a lot, um, and things like that. So for the most part, we're kind of separated into like two two sub teams within our social team, the kind of like social leads who deal with um, the strategy of our social channel. So what's our Instagram strategy? What's our TikTok strategy? And then they kind of share that with the content team, which is my team. Um, and then we go and look for content opportunities and produce. So my role is really about, okay, like what are the concepts that are going to work well based on what I've seen? Who's the talent that's going to bring this to life? Maybe there's a photographer that I want to hire, a location that I want to use. Um, and it's really about like that production piece and bringing it all to life so that when it ends up on social, it like ladders into good content and also our social strategy. Did that make sense? Yes, it did. That did. That's that sounds like a really interesting, really interesting role. Um, so what about your personal um like pages on social? How did you kind of, you know, you said that you had YouTube, but how did you kind of get going with TikTok, especially? Honestly, I ended up downloading TikTok because I was launching TikTok for Lululemon. So I had no interest on being on TikTok. It kind of presented itself as this opportunity and they put it on the table and they were like, who would be the best at owning this launch, knowing that TikTok is kind of new and nobody on the team really knows how to use it. And I put my hand up and I was like, give it to me. I'll see what's going on in this world. It seemed like a really fun opportunity. Um, and I don't know if you are in tune with the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram three. So I'm very like tr success driven trying to get the next well. thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so I was like, any opportunity, give it to me. Like I'm just here to fill my plate with new opportunities. So I ended up taking TikTok and learning so much about it. Um, and making a bunch of videos for Lululemon when we launched last year. 
Um, and then really enjoyed it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is kind of nice. Could this be an alternative to my YouTube channel? Because my YouTube channel was a lot of work. It was just for, for not a lot of, I guess, reward. Like I wasn't seeing a lot of growth, a lot of views, but it was taking me like two hours to make a video every week. So it was a really, I guess, like tiring process. Um, but I still loved creating content. So I was like, this could be a good solve where I could just talk to the camera for less than 60 seconds and still convey the type of content that I want to without it taking such a big chunk out of my week, out of my day. Um, and then, so I started like making like dumb TikToks. I think everyone starts TikTok making mm -hmm. like one-off videos of their dogs and stuff. That was me <laughs> for sure. I was making random COVID-19 videos with my dog. Um, and then I was like, okay, you know, it's actually performed really well on my YouTube channel, despite my smaller audience was my Tinder dating stories video. I was like this, I can just repurpose this video into four different TikToks. And so I did, I just sat down and was like, I'm just gonna retell these stories exactly how I did on my YouTube channel um, and push them out. And that's really where the momentum started. As soon as I posted those videos, it was like, okay, people are interested in story time videos. And so I just posted a bunch of story times. I never even introduced Tom for the longest time on my TikTok. It was all about my dating history, my life stories, all of that. And then from there, it like turned into like, okay, here's all the tragic things that happened, but now here are all the good things that happened. And I started to build on that. And then it turned on to like advice videos and then like, my boyfriend reacts videos and then styling videos. So now I'm just like all over the place doing my thing, but I'm just having so much fun. And I feel like that is really what I was looking for from YouTube is like, of course I want that service piece where I can share my experiences and my learnings with my audience, but I also want to have like a good time doing it and not feel like it's a chore. So I feel like TikTok really ticks all the boxes off for me. In that totally, way. totally, totally. And like your relationship with Tom, your boyfriend, especially you keep, like, you've talked a lot about relationship advice. Um, and how did you, how do you think you found such a, I guess, successful relationship? I know like you can only see so much online, like a kind of like a highlight reel, but yeah, I, as I said earlier, I love, I love watching. They're so funny. Cause I'm in a relationship with my boyfriend as well. We've been together for seven, eight years, like a really mm -hmm. long time. Congrats. Thanks. I know it's, it's my biggest accomplishment. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, it should be. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So how did you kind of find such a successful relationship did it take a few bad eggs to find you know the right one or what would you say i just want to pop in and say if you like this episode please subscribe on apple Podcasts, leave a review that helps other people find it um, and if you don't listen on apple Podcasts, you can subscribe on spotify google Podcasts, anywhere you can think of and where you can listen and also follow me on instagram at well now at podcast if you like polls i do polls mostly every sunday and they're pretty fun and interactive so i'd love if you can join let's get back to the episode yeah, there was definitely like a three, maybe four, I don't know, I'm just going to start speaking and hopefully they'll all just flow out. But <laughs> the bad eggs thing was definitely top number one that I think really opened my eyes to how good of a communicator and a partner Tom could be because I was facing such a like contrasted experience. Um, but I was in a relationship right before um, Tom and I started. Um, and that was probably my most like tumultuous relationship in terms of just like, it, it honestly, I was like, I'm going to be single for 75 years after this relationship ends, because this was just too much. It was too emotionally draining. Um, and I couldn't even imagine trying to start the dating process all over again. I'm not sure if you relate to this, but like, I am very 
once I commit to a relationship, I'm stubborn. I'm like, okay, we're going to make this work no matter how shitty it's, no matter how much shit is hitting the fan, we're going to make this work. Um, which is like not a skill I'm proud of. So, um, I'm glad that that finally ended. Um, and during kind of that process with that previous partner, Tom and I had always been friends. And I think that's also what's contributed to the success of a relationship is, there was like no surprises with Tom. I was friends with him for many months. I knew him, I guess, like to his core. Um, whereas my previous relationship, we met on Tinder. It was very like, I have no idea who you are, no mutual friends. Um, so when things started to hit the fan, it was like really in my face. I was like, oh gosh, I didn't know that this was the side that I had never experienced. Whereas with Tom, I felt really safe. I was like, okay, there's nothing that's going to surprise me. I've seen his deepest, darkest. We've already been vulnerable. I've seen how he communicates. He was already proving to me what kind of partner he would be without even being my partner. Right. So that was definitely it. And then just like another random thing. I truly think that our age difference is like what really helps our relationship. Mm -hmm. I'm like an old soul in my being. I'm 24 right now and I feel 80. Like, and, and it, I don't like to say that I'm mature, but I know I am mature for my age. Mm -hmm. um, so dating people who are my age or even like a few years older never really matched in terms of maturity or personality or priorities in life. Um, whereas Tom, six years older than me, he's definitely at the same level in terms of like what we value um, and what we're looking for in a relationship. And so we're just like on the same page and there's none of that, like one person is leading the other. We're kind of just like on the same playing field, which I think is A1 for sure. Totally. Yeah. And what's interesting, because I love talking about relationships because my boyfriend, Mihai, he's kind of been my only really serious boyfriend. We dated when we started dating when we were like 16, 15 or whatever. Wow. Um, yeah. So so when I hear about like other people's um, relationships, it's so interesting because we had to kind of grow up together. And like those like the ages between like 16 to 19, you kind of don't know what's going on in terms of yourself, your relationship. So for us, we definitely had like bumpy paths because we were growing up, you know, trying to grow up together, trying to grow up apart. But what helped us the most, I think, is because I was at UVic, he was at SFU. So that long distance really gave us our space. And then when I was in fourth year university, I went on exchange. So I was able to we were still together, but I was able to kind of just fully live myself, live my life, like by myself, be independent. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so for you, you've been through different relationships. So you've kind of had to figure yourself out. Um, and yeah, do you think uh, it's because of those relationships, you're kind of able to realize what you deserve and what you need. And that's why, you know, it works so well with your current boyfriend, Tom, it's because you've kind of been through all these different experiences to kind of realize like your worth. Yeah, definitely. I think every relationship prior to Tom was so different from another, which is like interesting. You'd think I would pick kind of like a category to go in and go for it, but no, they were completely different and they all like had really different highs and very different lows. Um, it's interesting that you touch on independence because that's something that has always been like a struggle in my relationships in the sense that I'm very independent and oftentimes that can be perceived as not caring. Mm -hmm. um, so in previous relationships where they didn't understand that that independence was something I valued in myself, they would see it as like a lack of commitment or lack of, I guess, like care in the relationship and it would cause this like tension. 
I think that's like has to do with something about your attachment style or something, which I just took the test for recently. I had no idea what that was. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that each one, because they were so different, like started to tick off like certain things that I was looking for and really cross off things that I was like, please stay away from. Um, I think what was really interesting prior to Tom was I was like operating in this mindset of, I know that there are going to be things that are unideal. How can I make sure that I try and find the, the smallest number of unideal characteristics um, instead of trying to find someone who was just like, perfect quote and unquote perfect I was like okay I know I'm gonna have to like give and take some so I'm just trying to like minimize the casualties and like maximize the gains but I was like not out here trying to like imagine a prince charming or the one or anything like I was like no no that's not realistic I'm just trying to find like the best out of the worst if that makes sense um until I kind of stumbled upon Tom and I saw that it was possible to find someone who ticked multiple multiple boxes if not more that you could ever dream and that like flipped something in me I was like okay like now I understand when people are like super cheesy and they're like I found my soulmate and all this stuff and um I still say to my followers like I'm like it's not that I think that there's no chance we could ever break up but it does give me this like understanding that I don't have to settle like I can find someone who does everything that I'm looking for and then some um, and can like teach me a whole bunch while doing that so I think that was like a big turning moment for me because before that I was just trying to like whack through the weeds and like see what landed and just like make it work you know yeah and a lot of my uh, girlfriends in particular and listeners like ones that are single a lot of them are very independent they really value that um do you do you have any advice for those females that they're looking to get in a relationship, but they don't want to compromise their independence. Cause like, as you said, like some, some of the men that you were with or relationships that you were with, they saw that like, as like not of a great thing. So do you have any advice for those uh, females? Honestly, my advice is this, but to be honest, it doesn't always work. Um, <laughs> I think a, I'm like a stickler for communicating what's what you're experiencing, if that makes sense. So I will enter a relationship with like all cards on the table. There's no secrets here. I'll tell you everything that I want out of the relationship and everything that I will bring and kind of like lay out all my needs. It's not as like structured as like me whipping out a PowerPoint and being like, okay, A, I need this and B. Um, but I am pretty upfront with like what will fly and what won't fly um, and kind of communicating what my personality is like like what they can expect from me day to day and whatnot and I kind of like take that extra step to be like listen this might happen and it's not because of this it's because of this um and like I said sometimes it works and sometimes it does not work um so I think my advice is to be a little bit more aware of when it's not working because for me like I said I'll see that it's not working and still try and make it work instead of being like, okay, take a step back from this and look at the facts. Like this person is not down that you're independent or this person gets upset every time you exercise your independence. You need to see that as like a red flag and pull away and be okay with it just being not the right person. Um, so yes, communicate everything up front, but also be like aware when it's still not working and be like, okay, like you're just not the person for me. I'm just going to go find somebody else and it's going to be okay. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think with relationships, there's definitely like a balance of, there's a lot of compromise, but there's sacrificing, but it's realizing what are you willing to sacrifice um, for that relationship? Because I know with my relationship with Mihai, we've done a lot of compromising, but certain things, like if it's my independence and if he ever questions it, I'm like, okay, well then see, I can't, you know, we can't do this, but um, yeah, it's definitely, it's hard to balance for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. And I feel like it's like a give and take every day. I don't know if mm-hmm. you relate to this, but mm-hmm. I am, I don't want to say stubborn, but I am stubborn. I am very, I don't know what it was with how I was raised or whatever, but I definitely find it hard when like any minor inconvenience comes in. I'm like, oh gosh, this is like a whole thing. We got to fix this. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of just like kind of picking my battles and realizing that like certain hills are not the ones I want to die on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like a constant process of being like, okay, Sam, is that a deal breaker? Because like you've seen deal breakers and you've been down for them. So uh, <laughs> can you recognize that this is not a deal breaker and just like let it go? Um, but yeah, I feel like relationships and just working in tandem with like a healthy partner is almost more challenging for me because it's, it's actually challenging me. Like before it was very apparent who was like the strong communicator who was leading the relationship. Whereas now there are times where I have to like look at myself and be like, Oh God, like you need to shape up Sam, like what's going on here. Um, so it's like a really good thing, but also really uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. I can agree with that. And before we get into the rapid fire questions, I was just wondering, where do you personally hope to see your content moving and your career moving, um, you know, in the next few years, what is kind of your like dream role and dream job? I don't know. I really don't think about it often. Um, I, I see the number growing on TikTok, but it doesn't register to me as like a bunch of people looking at my content. Mm -hmm. Um, mostly because it's still just me in my room talking to myself and like nothing has changed in my life per se, I guess. Um, Ideally, I would love to be able to do TikTok full force. Um, I mean, ideal state, I'd be able to do it full force and still have like some sort of other job so that I could have like multiple hustles, I guess. Um, but as I continue to do TikTok, I'm like, wow, this is like taking up more time. Like when I talk to brands and things like that. So I don't really know where I want it to go. What I do hope is that I don't, it doesn't become a chore for me like YouTube did. Um, that's kind of like my only goal when it comes to TikTok is that I continue enjoying it and that it's like, it remains really, I guess, like raw and real. Cause that's what I've been really enjoying as opposed to like Instagram and whatnot. It's, it's very just like me in my room telling you the straight up facts and you're going to see me in some like questionable States, but also it's going to be like a good time. And we're just going to be chatting like friends. Um, so I hope that it remains like that. And I would hate for it to start to turn into something that's more curated or more polished. Um, because that's just like not who I am as a person. Yeah. Well, TikTok's an amazing platform. Like I think when it first came out a year or two ago, I was like, no, I'm not going to get on it. Like those are for the younger kids. And then now I'm on it all the time. I've learned so much, whether that's like social media, Instagram tips, or just like history in general, I have learned so much. And I, I interviewed a, um, another TikTok creator. I don't know if you know her Her name's Lydia Keaton. She does more like, do you know her? Yes. 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 She's, she's iconic and that's her full-time job now. Like she's has like a million fall or 1.1 million followers now. And that pays the bills, just creating these like story time videos, these daily, like mini vlogs. Um, so this, it, it is possible for it to be a career. I know. And it's weird to me to 
think or weird for me to think like that because it hasn't been a career option for me. Like it was just something I did in my pastime or something I did to get a job. Like that used to be the reason I would go on social yes. media is to like build my portfolio to get a job at social media. Um, I think right now I like see a lot of value in working for a company in terms of learning, but I can definitely see in the future a point where that's like no longer necessary the necessarily the case and that's kind of where that idea of being a full-time content creator could be like really appealing not that it isn't now it is already appealing but it's also like scary like I'm like my whole job is just gonna be me talking about my life what if I have nothing to say one day I don't know (laughs) um so that has like been on my mind as like this cool goal um but I'm just gonna let it happen organically and if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen I have multiple passions that can fuel Mm -hmm. my career for sure so fair. So let's get into the rapid fire questions. That's cool. Okay, I'm nervous. <laughs> no, they won't be too hard. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> so speaking of TikTok, who is your favorite creator that you follow on there? Uh, Eileen, Christine and her boyfriend, Devin are my favorite. I want to be friends. I want her to know. Yes, yes, yes. I've seen them. I've seen their TikToks before. Very cute. Yeah, yeah. I feel okay. like Tom and I could be their best friends. <laughs> they would just see us. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. What is your favorite Lululemon fit? Like from like head to toe favorite Mm. thing to wear um a perfectly oversized crew it kind of looks like what I'm wearing now but it's not actually which is surprising Mm -hmm. and then a line biker shorts either six inch or eight inch that's Mm -hmm. like a go-to fit for sure love it I feel like I know so much about like Lululemon and all the items because when I was in college three of my roommates were working in store at the same time so they could not stop talking about it and I was like I'm going to be broke by the end of the semester because it was, everything that they come, kept coming out with was so cute. And I was like, I need to buy this. We live in Vancouver too. It's everywhere. Like, I know, you can't I know, <laughs> I know. Um, okay. Um, if a movie was made about your life, what genre would it be and who would play you? Mm, I definitely need it to be some sort of like comedy mm-hmm. situation. Maybe a rom-com, but like, please don't make it cheesy. Like it has to be mostly <laughs> comedy with like a little romance going on in there. Mm-hmm. Who would play me? Oh my God. I always, I don't know if this is like actually who I would choose, but I've been getting recently a lot of comments on TikTok being like, you look like Laura Jean from like to oh, all the boys I love yes. before. And I was like, <laughs> okay, like I'm down for Peter Kravinsky moment. Like, sure. <laughs> give that to me. So I feel like she could play me justice. Totally. totally. Okay. Um, what is the biggest pet peeve you have in terms of like first dating and like meeting someone for the first time, like romantically or like a big red flag, pet peeve, red flag, red flag, man. I feel like they should be really top of mind because I just make hella videos about this. I think a big red flag is if they're treating the like server or like waitress poorly, if we're going for a dinner date, Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. that's definitely the one. Or if they just, I'm like very hypersensitive to people interrupting me, which is ironic because I'm pretty sure I interrupt other people when I'm excited. Um, But if I get like cut off a lot, like I will notice. So that's another one. Yeah, I can agree with those. Um, What is the first thing you notice about, um, let's say about Tom, first thing that you noticed about him when you first met him? He's really tall. Like, I don't want to say that that's what it is, but he's just, he's six foot four, really okay, tall. He's really tall. Yeah. He's like a very, like, broad, like, handsome model looking man that, like, came into the store when I met him. And I was like, um, hello, you're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, love that. Um, what is your most used emoji? 
and like you can reconnect reenact it if you want (laughs) it's definitely that like what it's like that like pouty face with like the big cute eyes yeah yeah I use that (laughs) one a lot too (laughs) I just I want to be that cute you know (laughs) yeah yeah I feel you okay um what is your uh ideal date Mm, anything that's like outside in nature but also doesn't involve a lot of effort so like I want to get out of the car and go to this nice viewpoint but I don't want to hike the mountain to get there if that makes sense Mm. so take out a viewpoint and like a blanket like that is the ideal date I wouldn't necessarily say that's my ideal first date because like scary like not trying to be in the forest (laughs) with some random um but that is one of my favorite dates with Tom now Love it. Is there a specific spot in Vancouver that you're like, I love the spot for like first dates or dates in general? I mean, if you can get a spot on that platform in Horseshoe Bay, like obviously that's the best place ever, but it's almost impossible to get a spot there if you're not going to wait or get there at like ridiculous hours of the day. Um, I think this is a cheating question because not a lot of people have access to this, but Tom has like a pass to Lions Bay, like a parking pass. So we get to like experience like Brunswick Beach and all of that kind of stuff because he works around that area. Um, So if you somehow have somebody who lives around that area, that is also super nice. Okay, nice. Um, What is something that you do now that you never did before quarantine and COVID? TikTok. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, What is something that most people don't know about you? What is something that people don't know about me? I share my whole life on the internet. I mean, I would say the sewing thing is probably something Mm. that most like strangers wouldn't know about me because I never talk about it. But yeah, sewing. Okay, cool. Uh, Two more questions. Who are the three most influential people in your life? Um, Cheating, but it has to be my parents for two. Mm -hmm. Um, And then probably Tom is probably a big one or my brother. They they can tie. I saw the video. I think it was with how your or Tom... um, reacts with your dad and your brother or like how he hangs out with your dad and wrote that was so cute especially like I have like my dad is uh Chinese my mom is uh French but like knowing how Asian dads are like that was just that was so cute that made my heart warm I know and he he's never like that with every other relationship I've ever had it's been Mm -hmm. like very like polite but like nothing to engage like he's like hello and then I'm gonna go now whereas like (laughs) Tom and my dad actually have like long conversations and it's every single time he comes over like he's just welcomed as like a friend in the family um which I think is like what comes with like adult relationships too like previous relationships it was very kid versus parent vibes Mm -hmm, and now mm -hmm. it's like adult on adult which is nice Oh my gosh, my I just loves him. <laughs> okay, uh, last question. On my Instagram, I do Friday fades. Like I, I did it today. But what is something that you're just loving that can be a podcast, a song, a book, item of clothing, anything really that you're just like, you'd recommend to my audience? Um, I'm really liking using a face roller and gua sha. Like Ooh, okay. I'm out here just like perfecting my skincare <laughs> needs. I was literally on FaceTime with Witty. last night doing my face routine just like having a full pamper moment um I have no idea if it's doing anything but it's Mm -hmm. just like nice to take uninterrupted time every day or other day Mm -hmm. um every other day and uh, just like having that like coolness touching my face and feeling refreshed (laughs) I need to get one they keep showing up on my feeder like a month ago it was just constant and it was like people are like look at my jawline now and I'm like do I do I need to get it 
unsure how they're getting those results also like not to turn you off of something yeah. i just said was my favorite but like <laughs> i see videos that are like oh i got chiseled in like one day and i'm like my face looks the same but like I, i'm still enjoying the process yes yeah i i care more about like the cooling factor i feel like Me that's too. something that i would enjoy right like in the morning i'm just like oh face rolling <laughs> all over love that well thank you so much sam it was so lovely chatting um, and learning more about you so can you kind of plug with um, to my audience like where they can find you where can they can watch you give me the whole show sure. sure you can find me at sam city underscore on instagram on tiktok if you want to go look at my youtube i think that's just at sam city with no underscore there's no new content on there so just like <laughs> save yourself but yeah um i think that's it amazing thank you thank you this was fun and that was Sam. I'll leave all her links in the show notes, her TikTok, her Instagram, her YouTube. Um, yeah, and I had such a great conversation with Sam. And if you like this episode, follow me on Instagram at Well Now Podcast and let me know what you think. I'll see you next week.